everybody, it's Busy from Busy Living Sopa. Busy Living Sopa. Today, I'm doing something different. I'm introducing a new thing that I'm going to do, which is interviewing certain people that aren't. It's not going to be the Wheezy and Busy show. It's actually going to be people that have things that I'm interested in. And today is my first interview, and it's going to be with my daughter, Hadley Chance. And we are going to talk about Buddhism and meditation because my daughter is about to embark on a journey to the Himalayan mountains in India. And I first want to say, hi, Hadley. Hi, Mom. How's it going? It's great. I'm a little sunburned and a little bubbly, but I'm good. A little bubbly, what does that mean? It means that my skin is bubbling a little bit from the sunburn. Oh, that's not good. And you did put sunscreen on number 30, and it still didn't protect you, did it? Nope, I'm very fair-skinned, unlike my sweet mama. And poor thing is burnt. Well, we're all thinking about you, Hadley, and we hope that your burn goes away. Thank you. So tell us, what made you go into religious studies for one? Okay, so I have always been very interested in the um, the way that everyone sees the world and the way that, like, everything affects how we see the world. And, like, growing up, like, with you as, like, Christian and like Catholic and it like has Catholic and then what what are we now Episcopalian like I've just always been interested in like the different ways that we perceive the world and I feel like religion has like a very profound effect on um how we all like interpret it how we interpret our morals how we figure everything out like it's like the baseboard of everything and then there's also this intrinsic mysteriousness that we involve in our view of the world like everyone feels or not everyone but most people can or have the like feeling that there's something greater out there something that we can't see we can't we can't touch but we feel it that there's like this great mystery to life and I feel like religion is generally the only answer that we have to that. Uh, yeah. And it's just fascinating to see how different cultures and different variables have affected how we have seen that. And also just to, like, like there, I do think that there is some intangibleness. And so it's cool to try and touch that, as my professor loves to um, allude to. We are all just blind men touching the elephant of religion. And so, what about, is it about Buddhism that drew you to that, that, to the point that you want to go to India? Well, number one, India, incredible. Like, it's been somewhere that I've always wanted to visit. I know you've always wanted to visit it and ride the elephants and all that, but I, there's something, every time I've talked to someone about it, they've been like, it's like stepping onto a foreign planet. So I think it's going to be a fantastic experience. And also it's going to be a fantastic ethnographic experience where I just get to see an actual religion in its like original environment and see how it's grown and changed in the past 3000 years. Like it's going to be wild. And for Buddhism, um, it, it's always been something that's piqued my interest, but I've never known much about, like, you know, the general stuff of, like, 
oh, it's all about meditation, it's all about this and that and escaping samsara. But, like, you know, you never What is escaping samsara? Okay, so samsara, so it depends on the Buddha, well, samsara is, like, the chaos of life and, like, life itself is chaos and the original, not the original, historically the first form of Buddhism, Theravadas, said that uh, samsara is rooted in desire, not samsara is rooted in desire, but samsara is suffering, life is suffering. And uh, so there are four noble truths. That's the first noble truth, that there, that life is suffering. Um, second noble truth is that there is a way to ease that suffering. Third noble truth is that the root of suffering is desire. And for, the fourth noble truth is that there is a way to... Um, to stop that, to get out of samsara and to, like, stop the suffering, and that is through the Eightfold Path. Okay. Woo! So, because I am so interested, and I think some of my listeners are, because the reality is is that people that are dealing with addiction issues and dealing with, you know, trying to get sober, being sober... You know, it's all, for me, at least, I believe it's a one day at a time um, journey that we're on. And one of the main pieces that has brought me solace and brought me peace is meditation. And I'm not going to say that it was easy because in my first year that I was, you know, trying to not drink, the idea of even quieting my mind was not there. I couldn't do it. It was like, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to get quiet my mind. But the longer I, you know, the longer I've stayed sober and the more that I've tried to have these experiences where I am just meditating for, sometimes it's a minute, sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's an hour. I've never, the longest I've ever done is a half a day. I've never done a full day. Um, but I find it to be very beneficial to just calm ourselves, to breathe and to get into the space where we are right now. Do you agree with that, Hadley? And how would you recommend to my listeners an easy way of doing it? Because I know that you were saying that you meditate a lot and you aren't an alcoholic, but, and you also don't have a drinking problem, but at least that we know of as of yet. I do not. I She has scared me straight out of that. I'm <laughs> hyper aware of my drinking, I would say. She's hyper aware of her drinking because I have been honest with my kids about it since they were little, haven't I? Yes, very honest. And so it makes you realize that if they know that if they do cross that line, well, where to come to, for help. But let's get back to the meditation yes. piece. Okay, so how would you tell somebody to do it in the beginning? And how did it work for you in the beginning? And how do you do it today? Okay, so I didn't really start my meditation journey, I guess is a way to put it, until I got to college, and I took a religious studies course, my first religious studies course, which was just Intro to World Religions, and I had, like, dabbled in meditation before. We'd done it at summer camp. We, like, had uh, just, like, taken time to, like, breathe and try and just, like... Wait, didn't you do it in crew? I'm sorry to interrupt her, by the way. But wait, didn't you do it with, with your crew team, too? Hadley used to row in high school. Oh, yes, we did. We did it. I think that uh, might have been one of your first introductions with, with which one, one of your coaches. Do you remember? Yes, yes, with with Margaret. We mm-hmm. did it because she's, she's a Buddhist, actually. But, um... Yeah, so it was with crew, and that was more of body scanning and just, like, 
trying to like be aware and it wasn't like very much like based on like the buddhist mindset and i'll get into that in a minute but like my i didn't really get it for a while like i would just sit and i would i would not be present i would be thinking about like other things and my mind would wander off and like everything and a lot of the things that like anyone who has especially starting with meditating uh like falls into like you would slip into like 300 different thoughts and never let them just pass and like fade and just like be clouds but um yeah then I went to this uh Tibetan temple Tibetan society actually in Charleston for my class and the for 45 minutes 50 minutes of an hour class we just meditated it wasn't even really a class it was more of just like a meditative experience which was really cool yeah i want to interrupt again so wait a minute when you went to the class will you describe it to us so we give us more details and i love how by the way i have to just put a side note every kid today uses that word like every 30 seconds i just have to point that out because it's driving me crazy a little bit i have to point that out Oh my god, you're so annoying. I am, I'm so annoying. I always have to be a mom. But um okay, so back to the class. So tell us what like from beginning to end, give us the visual. Like walk us through what you saw visually with your adjectives and verbs and nouns. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Well, we so I went with one of my classmates. And we biked. Was it mandatory or did you could you uh, oh. we had to go to uh any religious service. We could have gone to like uh, Christian service. There are a lot of synagogues around Charleston. There's a few. Um, oh gosh, I'm a terrible religious mosques. Gosh, um, and then there's also the Tibetan temple. And I had never really been exposed to Buddhism of any sort. And um, I just went with my classmate to have this experience to see like a different religion. Um, and we went and, you know, when you get into a new environment and you're kind of a little like weird and shaky and like, you don't really know what to do. So that was what it was like for the first like five minutes. And it was, oh, it's this beautiful temple, like kitchen. It's like a little house, honestly. And there are, um, Tibetan prayer flags across the top. It's across the, like, the gutters, the roof, the the overhang on the porch. What mm-hmm. is that called? <laughs> it's called, is it a banister? It's not a banister. It's not a banister. And it's, it's like not a balcony. It's the roof of the porch. Well, anyway. And anyway, beautiful. And then you turn right and you get into this big room with, like, all of this open light. And it's in northern charleston so it's like more foresty than like not foresty but like wooded yes it's more wooded it's more natural than just straight up downtown and it was just all of the windows had like trees right there which was so peaceful to start out with and natural light was streaming in and there were meditation meditation pillows and it just had a very homey environment and so we sat down and me and my classmate and we waited for the monk to come out because we had a Tibetan there was there's a Tibetan monk 
who runs the meditation center and it was he started speaking in sanskrit which if you haven't heard it sounds a little kooky like what? Give us an example. I'm, Can you do it? No, I cannot. I really, that is not culturally okay. cool. Okay. Please don't do that. Okay. Well, I try to do, try. I try. I try. I I'm not trying to be offensive to anyone. I'm just trying to describe know, what it sounds like. Okay. So somebody spoke in Sanskrit. Sanskrit. And, um, and that was just the beginning. And then we just sat in silence uh, with occasional bells uh, chiming for 40 minutes. And for the first half of it, I was very much just, like, fidgeting and, like, trying to get comfortable and, like, there but not fully there. But then there was this moment when it kind of clicked. And in Buddhism, there's a st- and in, like, meditation in general, there's a state of bliss that you reach when you are meditating and you just kind of finally just like set into like the meditative mind. And so I achieved that for like probably 30 seconds. <laughs> and that was like the first time that I was really like, this is really cool. And yeah. And I've gone, I haven't met, I don't want to sound like I'm an expert on meditation by any means. I've just gotten off my one boot I took a whole semester on Buddhism and I and like she said I'm about to go and study more in India with uh my with my professor and a few other classmates and so that's going to be really cool but I'm by no means like a Buddhist monk master (laughs) who has any true answers I can just give you the gist of what I know so if somebody's out there and they're like, oh my gosh, can I, is it hard to meditate? You know, it takes, it takes a minute. It really does. But it's worth it. And just to calm your mind and to find a place where you can just go when the world feels chaotic to just like take a few breaths and like fall into like another just another state of being than the stress that you feel in your daily life is really nice. So it's worth the like trouble of sitting there for like meditation session after meditation session. And like, even in like little, like three minute to five minute increments, like just doing that and sitting with it for and trying is worth it, but it does take work. It takes like, you have to be vigilant about yeah. what you're doing and where your mind is focused. Um, this book that we had to read for class called What the Buddha Never Taught by Tim Ward, plugging it because it's really good. We only read up to chapter five, but even even then it was like a fantastic story about this American guy who uh, went to this Buddhist temple in um, Thailand to get away from the world for like six months and become not a not a monk but uh and not a lay person either like he lived in the monastery but he described your thoughts as uh radio so if your thoughts are like basically like um 
You know when you're like uh, on the scan function in the radio and it just keeps flipping through and flipping through and flipping through and flipping through? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's like that. Your thoughts are like that where they're just... You can tune into one station and like focus in on it and that's fine. And that's like how you reach like higher levels of enlightenment in Buddhism is that you have to like analyze a lot of your life experience. But, but before you do that, you have to be able to recognize that your thoughts are static on the radio and they're just up in the clouds and you can't focus on all of them and you can't grab onto all of them all at once. And you have to just let go of it and just acknowledge that it's static and not anything other than that. Oh, I love that. I love that description. I love that our thoughts are like static in on the radio and none of them really mean anything. They just float by, right? Exactly. Like they're just they're words. Just like they're words and thoughts and feelings that just come and then they go. And then you have another one and then it goes. And then I have another one and when it goes. And, um, and a big part of Buddhism is that idea of the static on the radio and the fact that everything is happening all at once and we can't grasp onto it all. And that kind of goes into the idea of emptiness that later Buddhism really holds on to. And in the West, we have this concept of emptiness being this horrible thing, right? Like when you hear emptiness, you, uh, you, like we describe like empty lives as being like very sad lives without fulfillment and without like anything to like live for right but in um eastern traditions in buddhism and mahayana buddhism which is the buddhism that came to light after Theravadas, it also uh says wisdom is the key to enlightenment rather than extinguishing desire but that's besides the point um that needless we are we are um what are we doing we're we're regressing regressing we're regressing right because keep going (laughs) So you're going, so go on. Oh, so emptiness says that we are all, oh, it's so hard to put into words. I wish I didn't choose this point to go off on, but emptiness is basically like we are all, we can't thingify our lives because everything that we see and everything that we have, yes, it has this label and yes, like, this table is a table, but is it really a table? Like, does it necessarily have to be a table? What does it exist as? Like, there are no true purposes. We are all empty. And in that right, we are all... What is... Oh, emptiness is form, and form is emptiness. So, that means that... um like, our forms inherently make us empty because we... So I'm beefing this up. I really am. It's okay. We we love this, don't we, listeners? Because Hadley's at least t- sharing this with us. And it, what I'm getting from you, and you can you can tell me if I'm, I'm going to give you Cliff Notes version because that's the best that I can do with most things is mm-hmm. Cliff Notes, is that being empty, like, realizing that you're empty and that you don't have to hold anything, like give anything material any validity like if you're empty and you don't hold on to anything then you are in a better state of bliss than if you were one that held on to everything yes is that what is that what you were saying yes so being empty is good it's not bad where we as a society sometimes saying being empty is actually it has a bad connotation rather than a good connotation yes exactly and emptiness is like 
it's part of the thing that connects us all because if we're all empty it relates to the fact that we're all reincarnated and that we all need to treat each other as equals and as human beings because or be, well as human beings because a human being rebirth comes along only once in a uh, my professor described it as, you know, those giant sea turtles that only come up for air like once every like hundred years. Like it's like that one gasp of air before you're going into the other rebirth realms of like you could be a, a hell being, you could be a hungry ghost, you could be an animal, you could be a bliss being, you could be a titan, you could be like anything. But the reality is, is that we can't take ourselves so darn seriously is one thing. Yes, well, I would agree with that just in general, not necessarily in a Buddhist sense, but in general, Um, because taking meditation seriously, not even meditation, but uh, because a common misconception is that Buddhism is defined by meditation, but that generally is not the case. In some cases, it is, but... Like, we ge- we overgeneralize it quite a bit. Like, some Buddhists don't even practice meditation. Like, and I don't know. It's just. And I want to just point something out is that I always thought there was a boy Buddha and a girl Buddha, but there's no such thing as a girl Buddha. Okay. Let's, let's break that down. Okay. Because I think our listeners will be really into hearing this. Okay. So... This is, like, just a general... So, as we know, as we, as a world culture know, the world has been sexist for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, and it's bullshit, number one. Excuse the French. I don't like bad language on my podcast. Just going to throw that out there. Along with my religious studies major, I'm a woman and gender studies major, so just going to put that out there. It's okay. You can put that out there, but you don't need to do it with curse words. Oh, my goodness. So, please excuse her language. Um, either way, so the original Buddhist doctrines basically say that women can't be Buddhas because, um, and that is not to say that women cannot reach enlightenment because uh, upon the historic Buddha's death, he, it was like this big thing because his aunt who raised him as her own and was like his mother because his mother passed away seven days after he was born. Mm. Um, it's a rule of Buddhahood. Can't it's just how it is because the mother of the Buddha must may may constantly maintain a pure vessel. And the thought is that after seven days, she wouldn't be pure and she could start having sex again and whatever, whatever. And so that would, yeah, sexism. It sucks. Um, we're going off on a tangent Morgan I'm going to stop her there because it doesn't even make any sense but all she wanted to say is that Buddha was actually a person and Buddha was a boy so any Buddhas that you no that is not what I'm saying that is not what I'm saying no do not hijack this false what I am saying is that in the Buddhist tradition, and I don't even see what this really has to do with meditation. It doesn't. I don't know why we went off on this tangent. You brought it up. Okay, well, I'm going to... I'm glad my podcast is with my daughter and everybody gets out the we really... We don't always see eye to eye. But um, I was just... Because I found it very interesting. And I want to just end with one thing. You know, meditation, Buddhism, getting quiet is really important to having a successful life. 
and having a life where you feel more peace and you're more grounded in the earth, which is something that I long for. I go and I see, I've seen Deepak Chopra twice. I, you know, I like to listen to people, you know, TED Talks. I just actually heard something really interesting in that instead of walking around the planet, like looking at people like, oh, my God, who's that? What's their deal? At looking at each person you meet as a new experience to make another friend, which I love. And having that peace of mind and being quiet and being okay with who you are is number one. And I think that that's what we're all trying to get, be okay with ourselves. And we feel like others judge us, others don't like us, others, you know, we don't feel comfortable in our own skin. It takes a long time to feel comfortable in your own skin. And I think that meditation helped me get to be comfortable in my own skin. And I think that my daughter, would you agree, you're getting more and more comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, absolutely. I think that meditation just... It really does, like you said, help ground you and keep you in a place where you feel as though everything isn't so overwhelming. And it gives you a chance to just, like, breathe and just, like, be in the moment and acknowledge that there are constant distractions in the world and constant things that are trying to take away from our presentness in this life. But... I my firm belief is that we only get the chance to live in this moment. We don't exist in any other moment in time other than the very moment that we are experiencing. And so what is the point of not being here when you can be? And so getting away with that dis- get getting rid of those distractions by just breathing it out and just being here is so helpful like even when I'm getting to every night before I go to bed like as I'm falling asleep I do a full body scan just going down from my head to my toes and trying to just be here feel my body feel what it's telling me feel like I can cleanse the bad energy out of it breathe it out through my toes and then I sleep like a baby it has, I, I only recently started doing this, I'm going to be honest, but it it has helped my sleep so much because I've struggled with that a lot. And as well, it helps me unwind from the day. And I, I just very much enjoy it. And then I also like to, anytime I get the chance to just be in the moment and to be sitting and meditating, which isn't often, but... It's often enough. I like to do like a half an hour or so every once in a while, um, at least once a week. And those moments, like, they just bring you back down to earth. And they, there's never been a time when I've come out of meditation with a worse state of mind ever. Well, Hadley, I want to say thank you. Anytime. Thank you for doing this podcast with me. Happy to do it. And also, I recant saying that the whole idea of uh, women not being able to be Buddhas is BS because I am not one who can judge what a religion or culture has done or what its doctrines say. However, I do not agree with the idea that women can't reach, women's bodies don't have the capacity to really to reach this spiritual necessity 
Well, thank you for recanting that. And thank you for bringing, you know, for talking to us about this. I'm sorry we had our little squabbles, but as mother and daughter, I don't know. You just got to hear what it's like to be in our family. And, um, you know, when you come back from the Himalayas, will you talk to us? Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. I can't wait. If you are out there and you are battling addiction or you're feeling alone, please reach out. I promise to write you back. I always write everybody back. And I always... um, I always will. I even sometimes will call people. So um, I just wanted to tell you that I'm going to start doing these fun things next week. I have another fun interview that I'm going to be putting up um, about a women's conference that's going to be happening in Florida. And um, that's a um, a women's conference for recovery. So that's pretty awesome. That I'm And I'm the hostess of it, so it's kind of fun. But if you are battling, please reach out to me. And you can reach me at busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at busylivingsober.com and that's B-U-S-Y and you can always go to my website busylivingsober.com I am on Instagram I am on Facebook I am on Twitter I am on I even have a YouTube channel Busy Living Sober but um, if you're out there and you really want to meditate there's so many resources out there and Hadley just gave us a little teeny tiny glimpse of what it's like to meditate and what it's like to learn about Buddhism which is something I knew nothing about. And um, so she was sharing it with me and I wanted to share it with everybody out there because I thought it was pretty informative. And I have to say I'm pretty proud of my daughter because she's doing all these very cool things. I have to tell you that. I'm very proud of you. And um, I just want people to know that um, we all can get there. We can just try one day at a time, one minute at a time. And if it's something you want to try and do is meditate. It's, um, you can, there's this thing called insight timer and you can do it for a minute. You can do it for 30 seconds, you know, start someplace really slow, but don't judge yourself and don't beat yourself up. If you don't do it correctly, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. You know, this is a journey. This is not a race. Um, I want everybody out there to know that if you are, you know, keep trying, If you are alive, you can have hope and you can have dreams. And so I am just saying to please keep trying to do something different to make yourself feel happy and to like you. Because I think I'd like you. Anyway, until next week, keep getting busy, living sober.